Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hello, welcome to Jewel Says. I'm Julie. Oh, Abe was sick last week, which is very unusual, but he was actually very unwell for about three days. Not like him at all. He had a fever, muscle aches, his skin even hurt. And wouldn't you know it, he had multiple job interviews. Thankfully, the interviews were online. It just so happens that Carrie has been interviewing for new staff for the clinic she's working on opening. So exciting. She had interview cancellations from more than one person for an online interview. I completely understand that if you're sick, you should absolutely not show up for work and spread it around like we used to do in the olden days. I understand that you will not be at your best, even on an online interview, if you're not feeling well. But Jules says you should at least show up for an online interview. Explain to the interviewer that you're really not feeling 100%. After all, that probably will affect the quality of the interview. But the fact that you are willing to show up tells the interviewer that you don't take your commitments lightly. And if the interviewer is a dick to you for not feeling well, it gives you good information. Maybe you don't want to work for that person. But just don't blow the interview off. It says something. On the other hand, if you're scheduled for an in-person and you're sick, maybe you should offer to do an online video interview instead. At least offer. It shows that you're serious, that you're actually interested in the job, and that you're probably not going to blow off work because you're just tired. There are people who do that. I know. It's hard to believe. So anyway, Abe had these interviews, so he showered and he put on his nice shirt and his jacket, even though his skin hurt. He smiled even though he was in pain. And his temperature kept fluctuating. I just started sweating out of nowhere in the middle of the interview, he lamented to me. And I'm sorry for laughing, but uh, that's life for a lot of menopausal women. We seem to have our own weather system. How would you like to endure those temperature fluctuations for a few years, Abe? Break into a sudden sweat without any notice. You're at work. You're in the middle of a meeting. Who knows what you're doing? It's a fact of life for a lot of us. So I thought this was a really good experience for Abe. It builds his empathy for us old gals. He definitely agreed that he would not enjoy those temperature fluctuations on an ongoing basis. Anyway, I went to see my Aunt Kate this weekend. 
I haven't seen her in a long time. She really wasn't herself. But then again, she's had a few challenges in her life. But she's your aunt, Julie. She's getting old, you might think. Understandable assumption, since you know I'm pretty old. So when I say aunt, you might reasonably envision a very elderly woman. But that's not the case. My father, Ted, was the eldest of eight children, and Kate was the baby. She's only 11 months older than my eldest sibling and only seven years older than I am. Still in her 60s, which the older I get, to be honest with you, the younger that feels. At least to me. So Kate was really more like a cousin to me than an aunt. When we visited our grandmother for a weekend growing up, we never lived in the same town. Kate and her next older sister, Christine, were hanging with the children. Kate, Christine, and my elder siblings were tight. They had a lot of fun together that didn't include me, but I particularly loved Kate. She was beautiful. She was smart. So much fun. She was funny, and you know I love funny. She was the older girl who I looked up to. I admired her more than I admired any grown-up girl I knew. Celebrity culture was not exactly the ubiquitous presence it is today, and Kate was my celebrity hero, my shining star. She was my aspirational idol. When I was little, I wanted to be like her. I wanted her to like me. I was a particularly shy child who sat with the adults, even though I wanted the confidence to be cool, to play and have fun like the others. It just wasn't there. But Kate took the time when I was, I don't know, I must have only been three or four. She took the time to get me to jump on the bed. Usually, we have a hard time discouraging little children from jumping on a bed, but I was the opposite of that. Kate helped me break through my fear. All of us children, we all used to walk down to the river near my grandmother's to swim. It was a small river with a little boat launch. When I say boat launch, it was basically there was a grade going into the river, so there was a bit of a sandy-ish bank on this little river. And it was full of life back then. I don't know if it still is. It was full of plants, water lilies, frogs, water snakes. The big kids had no choice but to let me tag along. I'm sure they would have preferred leaving me at grandmother's. And I'm sure I would have preferred to sit at grandmother's and just listen to the adults chat. But anyway, I went along with the children. And when, you, when we were staying at Grandmother's, we had free range of the town. It used to be interesting because even as teens, we'd walk down the street and you'd hear older ladies whispering amongst themselves from a window or something. Oh, is that Ted's girl? I don't know. It could be Mary's girl. They were always uh, speculating on which one of us we were because it was a small town. Everybody knew everybody. So yeah, we had free range of the town, and we were safe. The big kids would jump off the bridge into the river. Sometimes water snakes would go flying with the splash. I didn't know how to swim yet, so I stayed close to the sandy boat launch area and waded in carefully, watching everyone else have fun. 
but one day I accidentally waded in a bit too far. I distinctly remember the visual of going under, not saying a word. It's so strange how that happens. You would think, this is one of the things they teach you when you're learning to be a lifeguard. People don't necessarily scream and cry for help when they're going under. And even as a small kid, I didn't. I have a snapshot visual of just going under quietly and then seeing Kate just interrupt her swim, turn around nonchalantly, and just pluck me out of the water, still smiling. <laughs> she just put me back on shore and went back to her swimming. Kate saved my life, and it never even came up after that. We didn't go home and tell the parents or anything. It was just what you did when you were a free-range kid in a small town. She got married when she was only 19 years old, which... I guess wasn't so very unusual in the early 70s, but looking back now, I, that was so young. She was always very down to earth. She was not, she, she wasn't into frilly fashion and her dress, her wedding dress was a simple sheath of white with a hood that framed her thick shoulder length bob and beautiful face. And she was a nurse. She and her husband, Jim, lived in different cities after they got married, but they ended up eventually moving back to the small town where they had grown up, and they built a house on the lake. Family visits were usually at Kate and Jim's place. Some of my cousins had their weddings there. I personally think an outdoor wedding is a big risk in our climate, but people do it all the time. And Kate and Jim had the space for an event. They had space for a, one of those big event tents. They had boats. They had a paddle boat, water skis, a windsurfer. They had four-wheelers, snowmobiles in the winter. Jim's brother had a pontoon plane. He would sometimes take us for plane rides. Plus, they lived a short walk away from a really lovely resort where we could rent cabins if there were too many of us visiting at once. And that lake was a real fisherman's dream, full of life, seaweed, tons of fish. Kate and Jim started trucking in sand for the shoreline and raking out the seaweed that the waves washed up, just to make it more swimmable. After I was an adult, I loved nothing more than to sit at Kate's kitchen table and smoke and drink and chat with her until the wee hours of the morning. We never ran out of things to talk about. She was well-read, sharp, very opinionated. I've seen Kate not hold back with some comments that I wouldn't dare make. She told you what she thought. She was a force. This sounds like a happily ever after story. And it should have been, more or less. She had everything. But then her first child, a daughter, was born very prematurely. Neonatal care in Peterborough in the 70s wasn't enough to save her. She was too small, too soon. The doctors didn't know why she had been born so early, so the advice was to just try again. It never ceases to amaze me how women, parents, are expected to endure that kind of devastating loss and just get on with it as though nothing happened. This matters, her baby was born, and she lived for, I don't know if it was a day or a few days, 
but she was born and she was loved. But what are you going to do? This is what the doctors would say. So they tried again. And it happened again. Then the doctors decided that maybe they should look for a reason. Why was this happening? They figured out at some point, apparently, there is a hormone that kicks in to keep the pregnancy past a certain stage. And for whatever reason, that wasn't kicking in with Kate. But it's infuriating that people have to endure multiple losses before anyone even tries to find a cause. I'm sure the doctors and nurses, no doubt, are very caring and wonderful when someone is going through this tragedy. But we need to care enough as a society to investigate the root cause the first time this happens to someone. That should be the rule, because to let that happen multiple times to, to anyone, I think, is just inhumane. So, even though now they had a reason, I don't know why they didn't have another baby right away. Maybe they just decided to hold off, give themselves time to grieve. I don't know the details. It just isn't something that that she would have discussed with me. And in general, people didn't talk about pregnancy loss. And this wasn't even a pregnancy loss. These were two little girls who were born and lost. I mean, you were expected if you miscarried to just get over it and try again. And they certainly, people didn't talk about the trauma of losing a baby. I, th- I think people in general just tried to ignore the subject as soon as they could. And I think it's I think it's a subject that is just so hard to face and no one knows what to do or what to say and so we say nothing. And that must feel very lonely for the person grieving or maybe it's a relief that nobody talks about it. I I don't know. I've luckily thankfully never been through anything like that. The two miscarriages I did have were very early, and you were just expected to deal with it and go back to work. So for whatever reason, they deferred having another baby, and in the meantime, Jim sustained a head injury from a boating accident. And the head injury caused seizures and probably caused his deafness. I'm not sure. But apparently the medication that he was on to prevent the seizures dropped the sperm count and he wasn't open to the idea of adoption. I'm pretty sure even then Kate did want to be a mother and possibly now that the doctors had determined the cause, she might have a better outcome, but maybe she just accepted that it wasn't to be. Anytime I saw her during this period of time, she was the same fun, witty, fiery Kate I had always loved and admired. But of course, that kind of loss never fully leaves you. But lo and behold, a few years later, not too long after Catherine was born, Kate was expecting. I was so happy for her. Apparently, Jim's first question was, whose is it? But his medication had been switched, and he was definitely the father. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. 
LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Kate had to spend her pregnancy living in Toronto with one of my brothers, which was, I'm sure, very fun for her. They were very close. So she could be seen by Women's College Hospital. Top-notch medical experts. And, as the name would give you reason to believe, they study women's health. Amazing. We were so glad that they just weren't going to take any chances with her. She wasn't allowed to vacuum. She was taught how to recognize the early, early signs of labor that most of us don't even notice. Jim visited when he could. Grandmother visited, too. Toronto is just under two hours away, so it's a pretty easy drive. So this time, when Kate's way-too-early labor started, of course, she recognized it on time and rushed to the hospital, where they were able to stop the labor, and she ended up carrying her son, Jay, to full term. I think he might have even ended up being born a week overdue. Catherine was 11 months old when he was born, and we all couldn't have been more thrilled for her. We always, I mean, Sarnia is about a five-hour drive, so it was a bit of a hike, but we tried to visit once a year, usually in the summer, sometimes in the winter near Christmas, and they occasionally came to Sarnia to visit us. So my children grew up knowing Jay as their cousin even though technically he's my cousin. He swam with them. He teased them. He played pranks on them. He chucked seaweed at them. He tormented them like a brother. He drove them around on the four-wheelers and snowmobiles. He grew, by the time he was a teen, to be probably six foot six, I think he was. Jay was an athlete, a hockey player, a lacrosse player, just, just a great, big, handsome, lovable, mischievous young man with boundless energy, as young men have, and an exuberant sense of humor. He was great and very popular. He always had loads and loads of friends. He was just a great kid. When he was 17, though, he rushed out early one summer morning to pick up his girlfriend, clipped the back end of a trailer, I believe, a boat trailer, and his vehicle landed upside down in a ditch. He was airlifted to the hospital in Toronto, where he was treated for uh, extensive head injuries. Carrie was visiting one of my brothers at the time. She was just a little kid. I think she might have only been 12, and she was the only one of us who saw him at the hospital while he was there, his parents made the difficult decision to take him off life support. 
and donate his organs where possible without moving him around to other hospitals. I, I can't even imagine having their courage, and I can't even imagine wanting to carry on. So understandably, within a few months, Kate had become a shell of her former self. She continued working as a nurse. By then, she was working in a clinic, not doing hospital shifts. But I don't know how she worked. I, I suppose maybe it gave her some purpose in the face of the most unimaginable horror. But she couldn't eat. And no medication could ease that grief. And no amount of wine could ease her grief. I've been through stages of my life where I simply did not care about my own well-being, but I've never been through anything like this. When she finally dragged herself to the hospital, apparently her potassium levels were so low, they told her she might not have survived another day. After that, she did seem to turn things around. She started eating again. She seemed to get much better. Abe and I took her on a little ski weekend. I don't know if it was the year after. It was, it was definitely not long after she had been in the hospital. And amazingly, she was well enough to ski and seemed to at least be able to enjoy moments, which I guess is something. None of us ever shied away from talking about Jay, though. Kate said he was never out of her thoughts anyway, and she hated how some people thought if they talked about him or mentioned his name, it would bring it all up again. But it was never not there. I'm sure it had to be painful to talk about him, but we were all still able to laugh and reminisce about some of the things he did or, or some of the things he said. Someone in the town started an annual memorial golf tournament for him. Jay's friends regularly came over to the house to visit, and they always made a point of coming on the weekend that he passed away. His friends also included Kate and Jim in their graduation, their wedding, their baby celebrations. Carrie and Alan had a special role for Kate and Jim in their wedding, too. I'm sure it had to be difficult attending all those uh, celebrations of life's milestones that, that they would never have for themselves, seeing the grandchildren that they themselves would never have. The last time I visited Kate before this weekend was three years ago. I took her out for dinner for her birthday. She wasn't very chatty on that visit, and she barely ate even then, she did seem a little confused. She didn't, she didn't understand some very common words. She, um, she kind of laughed about it at the time, and I wasn't sure whether she was joking or maybe a little self-conscious. I'm not sure. But anyway, before I left, I told her I loved her, and I hugged her close. After that, I called occasionally, not often enough. But she seldom answered the phone, and she certainly never returned my calls, because that's Kate. She, she would always, I would say, oh, I haven't talked to you in a long time. She'd say, well, I could call you, but I don't. And that was fine. I thought nothing of it. That was just Kate. 
Then the lockdowns happened, and I worried about her. I hoped she was fine. I knew her health wasn't fantastic, but, you know, she, they had a nice home. They were safe. They could isolate there comfortably. And she had other relatives nearby, too, so I wasn't worried. I knew she wasn't going to miss me exactly, and I sent her birthday and Christmas cards, as I usually do. But this year... I got an email from Jim after her birthday card arrived. Didn't you know Kate was in a nursing home, he said. No, I did not. Dementia, he added. She doesn't recognize anyone, not even me, he went on. And her speech will go soon, and then she'll go. Oh, okay. I have absolutely no firsthand experience with dementia, No one in my family has ever had it, although I've had friends who've been through it with some of their loved ones. And I sometimes wonder, I mean, Kate's so young, she's still in her 60s, but I wonder if prolonged extended grief could potentially exacerbate the onset of dementia or the progression of it. Maybe eating scant amounts of nutritionally empty food. I don't know, regular drinking, heavy smoking, or maybe dementia is a gift, a respite from that grief. I'm sure that if I went through what she has endured, I would have starved, smoked, and drunk myself into oblivion. And I I absolutely, I'm in awe that she carried on at all. So, even though I knew she wouldn't know me, I had to see her. It's been three years I would like to believe that people still feel your love, even if they don't know who you are. So I went this weekend. When I walked in, I said, hi, Kate. And she looked up with what I was sure was just a glimmer of recognition of my voice, not me, but the sound of my voice. And then it was gone. I sat down and chatted with her. I got the impression that she was just being polite humoring me by chatting at all. She repeatedly told me she had to get the stuff. I tried small talk. Oh, you look great, she did. Your hair looks beautiful, it did. The color is gorgeous, it is. And, you know, what kind of things do you do here? Did you do something special for your birthday? That kind of thing. Yeah, right, sure. Uh Uh-huh, she would respond. Sometimes she would respond just by saying, a number, or a word. Always with a smile, though, sometimes a little laugh. She didn't seem to be searching for words, though, so I'm not sure whether she understood what I was saying. Another resident, a gentleman, stopped by and made a few small talk remarks, and when he turned to walk away, she looked at me and rolled her eyes and shrugged, which, oh my God, it it was like the old days. It was as though she thought he was hitting on us, but who knows what she was thinking. All I said was, oh, he seems nice. Is he one of your friends? A noncommittal response. My hands are cold, I went on. It's very cold outside. Nice and warm in here, though. Are your hands warm? I touched her hand gently. It was, it was kind of my attempt to connect outside of language. She didn't recoil but she kind of looked at me strangely, like I had just invaded her personal space. Then she pointed at my ring. Nice, she said as she flicked at the ring. Thank you. 
I said, I bought this ring after Dorothy died. Do you remember Dorothy, my mom? Yes, she said, smiling, but I could tell she was just being polite, so I didn't push it. I'm sure people don't want to be grilled. Do you remember this? Do you remember that? Do you remember me? Oh, why don't you remember me? Well, would anyone actually do that? I would hope not. After a few minutes, I think uh, maybe 10, 15 minutes at the most, she told me to go over there and pointed. You go there now, she said. She was finished with me. That was how she articulated that I should leave her alone now. I was dismissed. She said, I have to go over there. The stuff. Oh, is the stuff ready for you? I asked. Yeah, the stuff. I have to go over there. He's ready. Okay. I walked in the direction she told me to go and told the nurse that Kate was finished with her visit and ready for her stuff. Over there. The nurse walked over to Kate to walk with her. I said goodbye, told her I'd be back to see her, and told her I loved her. I didn't try to hug her or anything. I was a stranger to her, and that would have been, I think, been an invasion of her personal space. The next day when I called to book another appointment, I explained that I have never known anyone with dementia, and maybe since she doesn't know me, is it better if I don't visit at all? Because I really don't want to irritate her. The nurse told me she can't share any information about anyone's condition, which, yeah, I completely get that. But I pressed her for a generic answer, though. Like, in general, in your expert experience, do people with dementia feel annoyed by visits from people who they think are strangers? That's what I am to her now. I don't want to annoy her. Maybe she'd prefer that people just left her alone and didn't have these annoying conversations with her. I don't know. The nurse told me that, of course, no one really knows what's going on in someone else's mind, particularly when they've lost the ability to articulate their thoughts clearly. But in her experience, people benefit from the visits even if they have no idea who you are. So I made another appointment to go back. Maybe she won't dismiss me so quickly this time. If you have anything you'd like to share or ask, you should email me at jewelsays at gmail.com. J-E-W-E-L-S says at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening and have a wonderful week. 